welcome to the Colby Daniels podcast. We have another big week of college football ahead, but we've got to look back at the weekend that just was. And you start talking about the Big 12 and what they are. There are a lot of question marks. And if you're putting together a Big 12 power poll, I don't think you have an easy task in front of you. I I don't know who's looked good. I think everybody has looked questionable at best across the board, win or lose. And right now it seems it's a conference that is up for grabs without a doubt. So let's talk about what we saw in Norman, because that is by far the biggest story of this early football season. As far as the big 12 is concerned, we are joined by the one and only Rufus Alexander Rufus. We'll get to the defense and all of that. Cause I'm sure you have some opinions about what we saw defensively from Oklahoma on Saturday, but first and foremost, What's up, dude? Oh, man. What's going on, man? Not too much. Enjoyed, I guess, my weekend a little bit more than others. I guess after watching OU get beat. But, I mean, ah, it was a tough weekend, to say the least. Yeah, it it was – look, I said this earlier today um, in another conversation. I still believe Oklahoma is probably three or four touchdowns better than Kansas State. And we saw that in the first half, and then we just saw a complete collapse by the Sooners. So we've seen Oklahoma within one game on the high end, and we've seen them on the low end. And the question becomes, which team are they, or are they a team that's going to be inconsistent maybe all year long? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I think they're going to be wildly inconsistent all year long. I think it's going to be a roller coaster on offense because you have a young running back, um, you have a young quarterback. You have brand new receivers. You don't have a, you know, a go-to guy. And CD Lamb's not there. You have suspended players. You have players out with COVID. You have you working on your offensive line. Everything has been, you know, just a, a different, a different way about going about things. I mean, OU last week, everything went right for him except running the ball great. You know, you figure, well, we have another week of practice. We'll figure that out. And so a lot of the question marks that you have didn't. Pop- didn't pop up till this game against K State. Uh, uh, playing against K State was a uh, you know I knew it was going to be a hard fought game, but I think offensive line wise, I thought they were fine. Uh, they had some bad penalties here and there, but running the ball wise, I mean, you put offensive linemen on on linebackers and you have a safety in the hole. The running back has to make that guy miss. I mean, you got either miss or punish him throughout the game to where by the end of the game he's worn out and he doesn't want to come up and make that tackle anymore. And they wasn't able to do that. The running back style doesn't allow them to do that. The play calling wise didn't allow them to do that. It's almost like they were playing, like they were down the whole. Like whenever K K State made their run, they played like they were down. You know, uh, uh, or played like they had to throw the ball a thousand times and not run the ball still consistently. Uh, and that I think kind of hurt them as well, special teams and defensively and all that stuff. You sound like you're a little bit higher on the offensive line than maybe I was walking away from that game, especially in the second half. It kind of seemed like Oklahoma had an inability to run the football on demand. Uh, Kansas State plays two high safeties basically the whole game, and I went back and looked at the box score on Saturday night. There were 12 total design run plays in the second half that went for a total of 25 yards, including that fourth and short that they weren't able to uh, convert. But... I mean, again, I walked away from it thinking, I don't, maybe it's not the offensive line, but I walked away from it really disappointed with Oklahoma's ability to establish the run game overall. And, and at least for me, a lot of that fell on not seeing dominance from the offensive line. I mean, if you look, you go back, um, you go back and you look at that game. 
and I watched it twice. So I, I went back and I looked at the game and looked at the offensive line and and watched what was going on. A lot of times, I mean, it's the safeties come, coming up from, from far out to make a tackle on a running back in a hole. I mean, you know, you come to OU, I mean, you cover up a linebacker, you cover up the five or the five guys you're supposed to cover up. The running back got to make somebody miss. Everybody can't be covered. So if a, if a safety's coming and filling in the hole, like on the fumble, the safety came from depth and hit him in the hole and fumbled the ball. A few times the safety hit him one-on-one and, and, and tackled him uh, down to the ground. So, I mean, if you can't, as a running back, get into uh, come to Oklahoma and make a safety miss in the hole or punish a safety throughout the game so by the end of the game that safety doesn't want to play and it's five yards a pop, then I think that was the problem. They didn't put any kind of hesitancy, make the, the safety hesitant as far as when the ball was coming at him, scare, put any kind of fear in him. Now, I mean, if Pledger was in there, I wouldn't have been scared to hit Pledger. And then you get the young freshman in there after he fumbled. I mean, they kept on coming at him. So offensive line had some holding penalties. They couldn't – they struggled to get to the perimeter great. But, man, for the most part, I think on the interior, they ran where they were supposed to. There was some wide-open B-gaps. Uh, they just did not take advantage of those of those runs, and and you got to be able by the third and fourth quarter, be able to make a guy miss in the hole to get you know big gains in the run game, and that didn't happen. They're not explosive in in the in the run game, and so that's I think is one of their other problems that they have. How much of that then is just inexperience, maybe from the running backs, and and when you add Ramondre Stevenson back to the mix, is that something you expect to look better? I expect that to look better. I think, you know, uh, you, from, um, from what I've seen, I mean, I figured they would have gave uh, Major a few more touches. Um, they were giving wide open holes. It wasn't like Missouri State, where even though they crowd the line, he's like, you know, I'm going to come after him or whatever and not let him really run the ball. They were letting the offensive linemen cover guys up. And if Marcus Major has a six-yard, go at it and straight hitting guys over and over again, I would like to give him a shot. I mean, Pleasure was getting hit, flipped upside down, but he was getting six and seven yards at times. Um, so I think people are looking for the big explosive plays from our offense, which you didn't get um, on the on the ground, but there were plays where you figure, oh, you would play better um, – when it came to them running the ball, and you figure by the time it got to the fourth quarter, that run game would have been warmed down. But they were hitting, they were hitting the running back, and they were doing a good job of hitting him over and over and over again. O line looked better, run blocking or pass pro in your mind? Oh, they looked better run blocking, pass pro. I mean, the pass pro wasn't bad. I think the whole the whole thing wasn't too bad, man. I, I mean, they had their holding penalties, and they were in bad moments when you had your holding penalties. Um, but offensive line wise, I mean, the pass pro, they were, they were, I mean, K State was going really wide. And so the pocket kind of went around. And I mean, he did, a, I think Spencer Rowell did a good job moving up in the pocket earlier on. Lincoln Riley was calling good sprint outs and stuff and putting uh, Spencer Rattler on the move. And he was moving and making plays uh, with his feet going to the outside. So all those things were happening, and it, it wasn't like a it was it was bad. I mean, it was just good play, you know. Um, yeah, but then you have you have your like you said you have your costly penalties that happen, and just was like, well, ain't much you can do about that, you know. Where does Spencer Rattler fit 
in uh, I guess on the list of concerns because for me after that game, he's probably at the bottom. I'm I'm not overly concerned about the struggles we saw from Spencer Rattler. Obviously, we you would want him to maybe play better down the stretch, and and it was the first time we've seen him in, in the middle of adversity, and he didn't pass the test. I don't know how much of that just squarely falls on the shoulders of Spencer Rattler, but. For me, it's not a concern. I still think the kid is an all-world talent, and going forward, I'm I'm not in any way, I guess, concerned about what he's going to do. I think he, he's dynamic as a player. He's going to be fine. Uh, but you watch him in the game, and he had one. He had a bad interception. He had two bad interceptions. One was a tip ball up, or maybe three bad interceptions. But one was a tip ball up in the air. Um, you know, so. You know, you have those things that happen in games, but for the most part, man, he's a he's an exceptional talent. He, he threads the ball where it's supposed to be. Um, but he had one really bad throw. I think that the the fade ball was really really bad. And the last throw down the when they're trying to come back, you can't throw that ball over the head of Drake Soup. You have yeah. to complete that pass. You know, yeah. so that was a big one right there. Yeah, the second interception, and I think that's the one you're talking about on the fade where he underthrew it. Rewatching that play, it kind of just felt like that was one of those plays where he probably trusted his arm a little bit too much because he has an incredible arm, and it didn't really look like he fully stepped into that throw. And, uh, you know, it just, again, I think he just probably trusted the arm too much, tried to get it there, and it fell short and it was intercepted. And, and, that's, it was a bad throw for sure. But it, that's something to me that I'm not like, concerned is going to be an issue over and over and over right yeah i'm with you on that i mean i don't think it'll be a, a thing that you have to worry about over and over and over again i think he'll get better uh as you know as as he continue to play and you know learn from his mistakes and he'll he'll continue to get better no doubt but i mean again you get in the fourth quarter and um you run the ball. You don't run the ball after the freshman fumbles. Like you get into the fourth quarter, you know, K State gets the ball, and now you're putting all this pressure on top of this young freshman t- um, back to get them. You know, they're deep in their end zone too. Uh, whenever you look at that after the after the score was twenty eight thirty five. Yeah, I mean, I think they went what? How many? I think two or three straight passes after that. So I mean, you, you kind of look at those things. Um, you look at those things in the game, it's kind of like, man, why did he go pass, pass, pass? You know, just, hey, kind of give somebody a little bit of – Yeah. Just a little – like, I mean, a little bit of confidence. I mean, give the running back a little bit of confidence running the ball after that. And But he went past, and I think K-State kind of teed off on there, and that put a lot of pressure on him. He didn't make a that drive after that wasn't the greatest of drives either. How much of the second-half struggles in your mind were play-calling? Because I I saw a lot of criticism of what Lincoln Riley decided to do in the second half. Again, I think I counted 12 total design runs. A lot of people pointing at at maybe he should have run the ball more. Again, I kind of point at the the lack of production in the run game as well. Uh, So, I mean, that that might be a chicken-or-the-egg type deal, but... Uh, did you feel like Lincoln Riley in, in a play calling standpoint could have been considerably different or, or how do, how do you view that part? I think he could have been considerably different. I mean, you had, um, you had some situations where they could have, uh, ran the ball a little bit more. And, and I think running the ball wise, you know, sometimes it's not about getting the 20 or 30 yards here and there. Um, 
you know, it's about the five yards, six yards that you get. And I think there were times where they were getting five and six yards and the offense sometimes just wanted to get big chunk yardage. And those are the things that, you know, in this game, it, it got them beat. It came back to haunt them, you know. Um, they didn't run the ball very well. They ran the ball. I think they ran the ball average. They didn't run the ball crazy good, but they ran it average. And we're so used to them playing and, and getting yards at a above average clip that I think he may have gotten impatient in the game with the run game. And then the passing downs was so much more obvious. Uh, I think whenever they were in run situation, it was so much more obvious. So it just kind of I, – I, I don't know. I just don't know how to put my hand on or even describe how the run game looked in this it game. It was weird. Yeah, it was weird. Because they would have six, seven-yard gains here and there, and then they would not go back to it. They would go straight to a passing type thing. You know, when you get into the fourth quarter, you know, they kind of get in a hole in the first and – uh, third and 15 after a jump and then you know they run the ball in a power eye situation where it allows them to have seven guys in the box you know things like that whenever they've been getting a lot of their yards with three or four wide but they get in a they, they, it's obvious when they're going to run the ball almost and then you know when they do it they do it with pleasure in the game Yeah. so you get one yard with a small back running a power type run, run game like it didn't make it. It was odd in how they ran the ball, you know. Yeah. And, and then you look at the box score, and I know the box score doesn't always tell the story, but the box score: thirty-five carries for hundred thirty yards total, and twenty-one of that was on the Charleston Rambo play early in the game. You take that away, then the box score says thirty-four runs for one hundred nine yards, which is not good at all. Look, I tell you what, they went. It was a part in that game where they went three wides, had the safeties high, and whenever I think after Pleasure runs that bit, that runs for one yard, and then you get McGowan gets the ball again, and he gets a first down. I mean, you talk about second and nine, and in a run game, it's second and nine, right? And then they, and then if if they're gonna run zone read, the young freshman has to learn how to. Understand when he gets the ball, he can't dance so much and and see the hole right when it comes. Because like the next play, he gets tackled from behind and he shouldn't have. Because he should have came out of the front out of the front door right now. Because K State showed throughout the game they were chasing from the backside. It wasn't chasing; they were chasing from the backside. They were not worried about Spencer Rattler keeping the ball. And then you get a costly holding penalty on certain situations, also. So. Uh, it's all those things that's happened in, man, in, in the game, and they, they've had penalties at crucial times. But run game-wise, it wasn't as bad as people think it is offensive line-wise. I think it'll get better. They'll get better run game-wise. And it'll clean it. They'll clean things up for OU also. I've said this a couple times this week in, in different radio hits that I've done, and I want to get your take on it because I think we've seen this at all levels of football. We've seen it in the college game. We've seen it in the NFL game. And for the most part, I I think in any other season, you would be a little bit more concerned. But the fact that offensive lines are all about chemistry and physicality and the fact that you've not been able to work together and you've not been able to practice with physicality leading up to the season, it makes all the sense in the world that pretty much everybody across the board is struggling in that department, right? Right. And I also see that 
when certain things are not working, how does OU keep going to it? Like when the bubble is not working, like how you run the bubble like three or four more times in a game. That's yeah. what I don't get. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny to me. They ran the bubble in the game uh, like three or four more times, and I'm like, man, they're killing the bubble. They're up on the bubble. How the hell they are they kn- Yeah, it, it the felt bubble? like they knew what was coming every time they tried to run. Right. Yeah. But th- but then you also get you a a you get the punt the punt happen block happens at a crucial time in the game, and it's like you know, holy crap, there's a punt block and. I mean, you can feel the air and the wind getting sucked out of the stadium after the whole pump block happened. And so that's, that was a huge turning point in the game also, you know, and defensively, and we go to the defensive side of the ball, man, it's like it was, how many plays was it? I think it was like, what, four plays? I think it was, they gave four or five big plays, all touchdowns pretty much, led, led to touchdowns. Yeah. But everything else within the game, it was pretty good. I mean, the yeah, first, the first half tackle. they played their asses off. Like I went into, I went into halftime thinking, yeah. I know they gave up the one, you know, the one touchdown late. But the first half, I went in, I went in thinking, you know what, that's more than acceptable. I, I thought they played really well. Right, and in the, the third quarter, I thought they played really well. You know, they they didn't do too bad in the third quarter, but uh, I mean. They had they gave away. I think it was two big plays in the third quarter, where you know they had the missed tackles and that guy ran off, and then they had the other big throw in the third quarter, and that you know that's twenty one points right there, and then and then they, what they had they they gave they had a fumble and then they you know get the got what something else happened, but I don't think the third half of the third quarter was pretty good, but two and a half quarters of football was excellent, and then the wheels fall off. Yeah, K State got the momentum, and then they—I think—they took advantage of the lack of experience they had at the linebacker position, and some of the sets that that Grinch had put those guys in. I mean, he put them in a bad situation. Uh, whenever K State had the big run, they're not set. Every they're overloaded to the left side, and they're big guys on the left side. They have nobody on the other side, but the only person that's there to make a tackle is is um. Buki Radley House and everybody's moving. I mean, it was a bad look. That was a bad look. And as you look at it, you're kind of like, it's cool to be exotic, but at some time you got to have an ass-kicking mentality. And they did not have that. Um, they have to be able to bring pressure with four, be able to line up in, two ga- in four gaps and be able to win in those gaps so you're running back to run free. And if Grinch is telling about what, by the way, Grinch calls the game and by the way, Grinch does the game is he's telling me that he has nobody that he believes can win one on one or demand double team. Is he wrong? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't think he puts them in situations to where they, they have to. Yeah. They, they must move around all the time in practice where they don't have to win double team. I mean, there was a time in the game where he rushed three. And K-State had completed an 18-yard pass. You know, I mean, for a first down, I mean, it's like, why, why are we at this point? Why are we doing this to ourselves? We know, like, you can't give somebody all that time. You know? Did like, you, you can't give somebody yeah. all that time to find somebody down the field. We don't cover that well. Right. But 
with four guys rushing, you don't have anybody out of the four that can rush consistently uh, and get to the passer. So that makes it tough for you, you know, football-wise, looking at, you know, looking at that game, going back and looking at that game, I was, like, kind of shocked. Like, man, we have nobody that can play a nose, and we have nobody that can play a three technique. And I thought we got two good good Juco players that D-line players, bigger guys. I don't know I mean, if you, you saw you him can... in the post game, but he looks as down and confused maybe as we've seen him. And, and look, a year ago, I, I think we all agree, they at least took a step in the right direction. It, nothing was completely fixed, but it felt like it was at least going in a positive direction rather than in the same direction that it had been going. And after Saturday, it kind of feels like all of a sudden they're back at square one. They're back to the very beginning of this thing. And looking at, at his facial expressions and just the the overall look of defeat that he had talking to the media, like he, he, he basically said it. He's like, I don't, I don't know how to fix this. If I did, then it wouldn't be happening. Look, I respect his honesty. <laughs> yeah, but, for sure. Man, I mean, damn, I hear him. I hear him. He doesn't know how to fix it, but whew. I mean, you get paid all that money to fix these situations. And, <laughs> you know, uh, but I'm with him, man. You, you got guys that's there in certain situations to make tackles. And I think you just stop appeasing people. I think, you know, you miss tackles. You, you get other guys in there. But I also think you also, you can't keep moving the defensive line left and right all over the place and expecting different results. Case they figured it out. They figured it out. They're, they, they, they figured out this offense, this defense. They did it to them last time when they were in Manhattan. They said, well, they're going to go left and right. Whenever they go left and right, we're going to move them and we're going to count just this person in the box and we're not going to count 44. And so they made every cut off of Buki. Off of Buki. And then in this game, they figured out, you know what? How about I go ahead and put these inexperienced linebackers out in space? They went empty, and nobody covered the running back properly after the, like, when they went empty. Me goes out there in space with the linebackers, and they're in cover, then empty. They're in man-to-man with one high safety, and it's like, somebody check out of this. I'm looking at it like, damn, I would have checked out of it. I mean, we had an automatic check to empty if we're in man-to-man. You know, but that wasn't the case. It wasn't the case of this game. It was like, well, then man to man, they had three, they had one high. Me playing against a back, a running back that's faster than him, or he kind of stops and gives up, and he's probably in a situation where he doesn't really know where he needs to be, and got confused. Big plays happen. Guys make mistakes. They bust coverage, but I just think empty being one high with a linebacker is not even. It's not. It's not the ideal situation that you want to be in. Then they go empty again. You have a Will linebacker and a Mike linebacker, and you got what I think is a Guaybu that's playing playing middle linebacker, and he didn't play it very well. And he got roasted with the slant down the middle and missed tackle, missed tackle, and God takes off. So you, you have that happens in the game, and that's not – another situation that's not that's not a good situation there right yeah my headline for the second half was kansas state drops a deuce on the oklahoma defense yeah they did that with that kid and what's the other kid number was the number six i believe it was Mays, moves moves or whatever he 
Yeah, the one that got the big play on um Yeah. The the big play off of uh on need. I mean, it was just it wasn't the greatest. Like I said, it wasn't the greatest of uh plays right there, you know? Uh plays, play calling offensively and defensively. It was it wasn't great for sure. What's the panic level on the defense? Because I think after Saturday, Sooner fans are are like full-blown panic level 10 through the roof. Is it as bad as it was Saturday, or is there any silver lining? Um, I don't think the panic level should be that high. Um, I think defensively, they made some mistakes, um, but you also see you see promise where you, you, know, you got a half of football. I mean, for me again, I'm optimistic. I mean, other people are not that way. Um, they they they're doom and gloom all the way through. I get it, I understand, but for the most part, man, I I see there's still a lot of ways that you can get better. Um, there's ways that Spencer Rattler could get better. There's ways the offensive line is going to get better, um, but they need to play a few weeks. Um, they need to play the, 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 the same unit has to be on the field for, for a good week and a half, a good two weeks. And then you can see some, some promise as to what they want to do. Hayes has to get better. I mean, he got worked over a few plays towards the end of that game. But after that, man, it, for real, it's just kind of like you look at this game and you're like, what in the hell were they thinking in certain situations? <laughs> yeah. um, the, the holding calls were pretty, were pretty bad. Um, I mean, I, I still say, man, you, I think Buki is, is a good player in certain situations, not in every situation. I don't think he's an every down player for you. And that's just my opinion though. And obviously he, he won the job in a short period of time, but there has to be guys that can come out there and, and give you a little bit more because they took advantage of him in the second half, but he can play the bubble screen. He can be a good blitzer and all that stuff, but there's times in the game where you look at it as like he's going to get attacked by certain people. He's going to they're, they're going to they're going to sig- signal him out in games, and we're not tough up front. And up front is the problem. I think we're getting pushed back a lot up front, and that's not the good part. You know, um, you, you look at it. If we can't, there are times where you're you're lined up and you have nobody over the center whenever you're trying to get a fourth and one. And you're like, holy crap, who's not lined up over the center? Everybody would have gone a bear or hit, went straight into the center. You know, we're not big on that. Then we go defensive end, line, small guy, whatever, against uh, – you go defensive end, small guy against a D-tackle. I mean, against an offensive uh, – against an offensive tackle. You go with a linebacker against that guy, and you're kind of like – man, they're going to run the ball that way, and they push towards that side. And that was totally unfortunate, but that happened. It was like, crap, what do you do? You know? So it was a rough game to watch, but I just don't – I don't think we're, we're tough enough up front. I just don't – I don't see it. The other thing that's crazy to me is the turnover situation. And, I, you know, there's a certain amount of luck that goes into – even having the opportunity to get turnover, certainly. But when you look at at the the history over the last several seasons of this team ranking among the lowest in college football in creating turnovers, that's it's mind blowing, isn't it? Like it's it's you know this. I mean, you played the you played defense. Some of it is just 
the ball bouncing the right way. Some of it is just having the opportunities to, to make those plays, but you also are responsible for putting yourself in, in the right position and, you know, being super aggressive and all this other stuff. And it's, it's wild that they are as bad at producing turnovers as they've been for such a sustained period of time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They had, I mean, man, that's kind of rough because they have talented kids there. Right. And, and again, you know, you go back and you look at this game defensively. They had bad, they had, like I said, they had, they got big played, but for the most part team, the K-State didn't earn it all the way down the field. They didn't put together five play, you know, five yards, six yards, seven yards here. I mean, even with their field goal to win the game, I mean, it took a block punt. You know, it, it <laughs> right. took a block punt and put them in the in the situation in, in a situation where they can go ahead and make that happen. Uh, it took OU going three and out uh, on the next play for them. I mean, OU had a chance with with uh, with the fourth quarter. I mean, and the, with the fourth quarter in hand to go ahead and drive down the field and win a game. That was on Lincoln Riley. I mean, a lot of it is I mean that's that's Lincoln Riley. He puts together one of you know a pretty bad final drive. Four minutes to go, and we I mean, as creative as he is, he didn't put a lot of creativity in what was going on to get down there. Right? If you go back and look at uh, at the four minute mark where where they got the ball and could drive it down the field, they didn't even get in field goal range. They didn't even yeah. sniff field goal range. Yeah. The last three scoring no, drives for so, Kansas State were 38 yards for a touchdown, 38 yards for a touchdown, and 29 yards for a field goal. I mean, to your point about not really having to earn it all the way down the field. Yeah. They have to drive the length of the field, and that's, I mean, for a player, I mean, you want to stop them, you want to stop them and, and keep them to a field goal, but, man, you're giving them the short field every time. It doesn't get – I don't put the defense – that's not an advantage for the defense. Definitely. I mean, it's a total disadvantage, but those guys have to go out and do their job. But man, it was like as much blame as a lot of people want to put on the defense. The offense also didn't had a chance to win this game. And this is a offensive driven school. I mean, right now we're offensively driven. We, all the higher recruits are on the offensive side of the ball. So you get to the four minute mark. It's like, Hey, let's get this done. You know, Hey, we need to go get a, get a score. We have one of the most highly touted, um, quarterbacks. We have a bunch of highly touted wide receivers. Sogner is, is an awesome, awesome tight end. We have to be able to make plays and get down the field and, and get the ball in the end zone for a winning drive. And we were incapable. And that was that's kind of frustrating to see from a Lincoln Riley offense because he's so great at what he does offensively. Yeah, I mean, he's he's one of the best offensive minds in football. And, and I don't just say college football. I say football, period, because what you see him doing at the college level, I mean, there are NFL teams that struggle to recreate the, the same sort of, of magic that he has been able to produce in Norman over and over. But um, it, it's crazy because this is this was probably the first loss that we've seen where it just felt like, you can you can pass the blame nearly across the board because usually it's like one area, right? It's like the defense was just so bad all day long that if the offense wasn't perfect, then you know you're going to get an L. This was a complete meltdown in almost every phase of the game for the final half of the ball game. Offensively fail, defensively fail, special teams fail, and and you know a lot of again a lot of pointing to the coaches both on both sides of the football and the positions that they put their players in and the grade there is fail. Yeah. 
You're right. I mean, offensive line-wise, they failed on that. You got holding penalties at crucial moments. I mean, you four down, you get a holding call on third and on a third and eight, where you scramble a lot of it and you get down the field. Um, you got blown blown assignments. I mean, a, a linebacker is a man to man. He doesn't run with his guy and stay on the top side of him and start shuffling and looking back in the backfield. Um, you rush with three guys when you're not. I mean, you rush with three guys and give them all day to find a wide receiver to get open and. It, it just I mean, you know, um, you rush six and then you blow a coverage um, with man-to-man. Man. I mean, that's, that's pretty bad. Um, special teams, you get a pump block. Offensive line, uh, quarterback-wise, what, you have four, touch, four, four interceptions? Yeah. I believe in that game. Did he have four? Yeah, he had four. Three interceptions, four interceptions and then in that the, game. the offensive fumble by, was it McGowan? Yeah. So you have yeah. three interceptions in a game. I'm like, you know, it's cool. Turnover Some on downs, stuff, man. right? Right. You yeah. can't win a game like that. Yeah. You can't. There's, there's no way you win a game with four turnovers, a special team turnover, and giving up the big play. You don't get a turnover at all. You're minus in the turnover in the turnover ratio, minus four. So that, that's, that's rough. Really, it truly is. And I feel – like Lincoln Riley got his work cut out for him, but he, but I mean, like I said, again, he also has a ton of talent. But they got to figure out the running back part. You got to have a running back that strikes fear in, in somebody. You know, and they don't yeah. have one. Yeah, it, I mean, I, I think both of those guys can be dynamic playmakers. And there were a couple times in the second half that you saw them, you know, make a move at the line of scrimmage and and wiggle their way through a couple defenders, but. Neither one of those guys seems like the kind of between the tackle runner that you need based on on what this team looks like right now. And you know, I think when you look at the way that Kansas State defended Oklahoma offensively and what you expect from like an Iowa State this weekend, it's probably going to look very similar. Iowa State tackles as well as anybody in the conference. Uh, they don't allow you to you know get the ball out quick and and allow your athletes to make big plays in space because they tackle so well, really, at all three levels. So um, this is a really interesting game, I think, on Saturday. Again, I I still like Oklahoma to bounce back and get it done, but I'm really curious to see what Lincoln Riley has up his sleeve offensively because I think Iowa State's going to give them a lot of the same issues that we saw Kansas State give them in the second half. Yeah, my question is, what do you think about Lincoln Riley not going for it on fourth down whenever it was third and eight? with two something to go left in the game bro my i was uh, my mind was blown i i couldn't for the life of me understand number one having any trust in the defense whatsoever to allow your team to get the ball back and to their credit they did get the ball back and they got another opportunity but we didn't see anything in the second half in my opinion that warranted having that kind of faith in the defense to not just allow kansas state to completely run out the clock secondly i think when you looked at the offensive struggles in the second half and and how difficult it became for that offense to move the ball at all, how did you think that giving them less than a minute to operate was going to help anything? So it, it kind of felt like even if you were going to get the ball back, which I didn't think they were, it was going to be considerably harder to do anything offensively than you know just going for it on fourth down and, and letting the chips fall where they may. I was... I wouldn't have done it. I thought it was... Uh, I thought it was crazy when it happened, but... Right. I mean, I, I don't know. Everything in me would have, 
everything in me saw. There was a time where Spencer Rattler should have, I think the down before the third and nine, they dropped everybody back. The middle of the field opened up. I thought the play before he had the right mindset when he pulled it down. That second play, he could that that play after they got the holding penalty, yeah. he could have came back and did the exact same thing and ran and squirt through the middle of it and get down the field. And he didn't. I mean, he, he was like the middle of the field was wide open. All he had to do was go through the middle of the field and it was there. Yeah. Well, and it was what, a, that. It and was I was a kind of, fourth and seven? Is that right? It would have been a fourth and, yeah, fourth and eight. Fourth and eight. That he okay. didn't go for. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would and rather, I was, I was kind of, yeah, I would I kind rather of bank on my offense getting eight yards on one play than having to rely on the defense not only to get a stop and get the ball back, but then your offense being so far behind the eight ball from a time standpoint that, uh, yeah, it, it, the execution of how that all would have had to work after the punt to me, I mean, it would have had to almost be a perfect storm to win. Right. I mean, oh, defensively, OU goes out and do what they're supposed to do. I mean, you talk about they go three and out. Yeah, I, I, First, I boom, absolutely like didn't that. think that was going to happen. They went three and out, and K-State was pushing the ball down the field. They were passing the ball and stuff. Like I said, K-State's whole entire game really had a few big plays, but for the most part, K-State really didn't put yeah. drives together where they had to meticulously work the ball down the field. Their offense was stagnant, and they had to get a big play to get things moving. But – OU-wise, you know, it was kind of like, you know, everybody can blame the defense, but the game within the game, um, the game the, the game within the game, uh, the offense going, getting getting, uh, getting timely first downs, special teams, kicking the ball and punting it deep. They get it blocked in crucial moment in the game, and it gets the game tied up. All those things happen in this game. Getting bad turnovers happen in this game. Your running game, you know, you lose confidence once your, your guy goes out there and you know, doesn't get a good. He doesn't get a uh, a good drive. A, a good. I mean, your your offensive line not getting a good drive out there, and then your your running back goes and fumbles the ball. It's just all those things, man, happen in the second half. They couldn't get the first downs they needed, and they couldn't get a timely drive when they needed to get points in the second half. That was that yeah. was so astonishing to me. That, yeah, that was crazy to me. And the, going back to the punt, they only had one timeout left. That was the other thing that was just mind-blowing to me is, again, you had to get a three and out because one first down basically ends the game. So to put that kind of faith in the defense, I thought was crazy. But again, to their credit, they were able to do it. But you have to use your only timeout in the process. So when they got the ball back, what was there, 45 seconds or so with yeah, no timeouts? 45, 50, yeah. Like, that that's tough on anybody, much less a group that has yeah. struggled for an entire half that it kind of felt like Kansas State had figured out and a quarterback that's being thrown in that situation for the first time. I just, I thought that punting the football away just, yeah, I think it put them in a much tougher situation than just going for it on the fourth down. Right. Short field, they go and they score. Long field, I mean, either one. But then also you look at it, they, right when they came, when K-State ties the game up, Right. They they go out there and they get a delay a game right off the bat. Yeah. Like coming out of the timeout, get a delay a game. I'm like, whoa! So you get your freshman quarterback in a first and fifteen first play. I'm like, whoa! Red shirt freshman quarterback in a first and fifteen in a game he's trying to put together a winning drive. Insane. I mean, yeah. there's so many mistakes that happened in this game that you know that I believe Lincoln Riley will get cleaned up. But I think a lot of it again 
as much as people can talk about blaming, uh, you can't blame COVID, K-State had people out and all this and that stuff, there's a lot of things that are not polished about any team in the country. K-State wasn't polished the first week, and they had right. to have a practice where they grinded it out. And OU is on the same sense. They didn't have any question marks but the offensive line. Defensively, what could you go in, in and defensively and say, you know what, we need to work on this when you play again, when you watch what they did to Missouri State? Yeah, nothing. There was there was no issues. And, it was like, holy crap. And you went into the Kansas State game, obviously having watched what they did against Arkansas State a couple weeks before and understanding they also had massive offensive line issues. They, they had five new starters this year. And again, operating right. with the same situation of no spring, no fall, no opportunity for those guys to play with any physicality or to gain chemistry. That was a matchup that Oklahoma literally had zero excuses for not dominating that Kansas State offensive line, and they didn't at all. And they got cute with what they were trying to do. They're blitzing all these linebackers and all that stuff. So I'm like, man, ain't no tough-ass people would come out there and body-to-body <laughs> body with these K-State guys and just go straight ahead and win. And that's what they couldn't do. And yeah. that's what and that's what kind of kept them in the game because everything about OU's defense right now is exotic. Moving, guys shifting left and right, jumping from this gap to that gap. I mean, a few times they blitz five or six, and then the person that's blitzing is kind of just kind of looking in the backfield while they, everybody's playing man-to-man on the back end. It was kind of a weird – it was weird to see, man. And I, I just – some of the blitzes I didn't understand after going back and watching, you see a few times where the linebackers is just looking for their man to come out instead of rapping to their person that they're supposed to be with. It, it's just – I don't know. I don't know how you blitz that way and expect to be successful. I mean, linebacker, uh, offensive linemen are too good to not come off of a double team if they're on one if your guy is not – screaming to the quarterback where he has to come off. They'll stay on that and give the guy just as much time as he needs, and then you're covering man-to-man the whole entire time. Yeah. Uh, so that that was another the other rough spot in the game that I see that could get – is going to get improved. Um, but defensively, um, it, it's a work in progress. Offensively, they got to figure some things out as far as who they are and what they want to be. I mean, and I, I, I'm almost certain they want to be this finesse move around defense, which I don't think will get it done in the long run. I just don't think they can be dominant for a long period of time playing that style of defense where you don't have a legit just straight-up pass rusher on the on the edges. And I think they're recruiting for that. I think they got guys that are capable of doing it. Isaiah Thomas is a big guy. Uh, you, you look at you look at Benito. Benito is an athletic guy. I don't see why you don't. he's not able to dip and get around guys. I just don't get I don't get the whole how they're not better pass rush wise. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, agreed. There's just not a lot of pressure so and again against and it's even more jarring against a Kansas State offensive line that I think the consensus was coming into the season and it was probably confirmed in their first matchup they might have the most or maybe the worst defense or offensive line in the in the conference, or if nothing else, the most inexperienced offensive line in the conference. I mean, I talked to Wyatt Thompson, the play-by-play guy for them last week, and that was even something he brought up. He's like, I have no idea how this offensive line is going to play. We have five brand-new starters that haven't had a lot of time to work together, that haven't had a lot of, of opportunities to, to even, you know, kind of establish themselves as individuals. And he's like, that's a, that's a big concern for Kansas State this season. Right. 
yeah, I just don't know what the hell to do. Here's the good thing, though. I mean, like, if you watch the what Big the hell 12, are they gonna do? yeah, if you watch the Big 12, though, like, nobody, I mean, Oklahoma certainly has their issues, and I'm not, I'm not saying that any of them are, are things that we need to dismiss. At the same time, everybody seemingly has their issues in this conference. Nobody necessarily stands out. If you're putting together a power poll, probably Oklahoma State's at the top. But, I mean, offensively, they've had a ton of problems. And understanding that some of that is the quarterback situation, I don't know what they're going to look like when Spencer Sanders comes back. But to this point, we can only evaluate what we're seeing. They're pretty good defensively, but on the other side of the ball, I don't know. Right now, look, right now I put Oklahoma behind behind OSU and behind Texas for these reasons, Okay. For the reason that defensively, OSU 110% want to run the ball. Yeah. Texas 110% wants to run the ball. And Texas is going to run it with a quarterback that 110% can run the ball and is capable of passing the ball. And they have big wide receivers. And I don't know right now if they're physically up to the challenge to do that. Because K-State was moving them all off the ball and moving them out of the way. And they wasn't great at all at the offensive line. They wouldn't. They were okay offensively, and there were so many glaring gaps in the Oklahoma defense that K State didn't take take advantage of earlier on in the game. And I think we blitz to take to make up for the deficiencies that are on the defensive line. They make they they blitz because of we're not the greatest at the defense, the, the nose tackle and the D tackle positions. And you have to be better at those positions to make it to make something happen in the interior. If you can't control the game from from one B gap to the A gap to the other A to the opposite A gap, you're going to be in trouble against anybody. Yeah, and that's I think, and I I know that's the struggle from watching it on tape, from looking at it over and over again. That's their struggle right now. They can't control it from B gap to opposite A gap, right? So how do you how do you how do, you, how do you fix that? Neville Gallimore yeah. took care of one side of the right. one side of the defensive line. He controlled an A gap, so you had to just work with the other B gap that you put guys in. And you were able to be okay with. Now you don't have that. There's not even one thing or one position group defensively right now that I feel like you can really hang your hat on. Is there? I mean, maybe when no. Ronnie Perkins comes back, that's kind of the the thing you can hang your hat on but right now I don't know right. I don't know that there's anything that you can go into a game saying I feel good about this right and I think Ronnie Perkins coming back will make a huge difference I mean he's a good pass rusher he's solid in the run if uh, if you look at Redmond if Redmond opts back in it, he's a very solid linebacker he's a solid outside defensive end I mean linebacker defensive end and he gives you the pressure other extra added pressure that you need for a guy rushing off the edge. Um, but right now, they don't have that edge person. Like, if you can have Jalen Redmond and you have Isaiah Thomas on one side and you can move Benito every now and then and put him in, you have two solid defensive ends that can rush, and the only problems are in the interior. But now your problem is you have a problem from just the A-gap, A-gap, B-gap, all the way out because Benito a lot of times don't hold up in the run game when an offensive tackle is leaning on him when they go heavy formation. Then you also have Buki Razzie Housen. That also doesn't play in your favor either whenever it comes to playing in the middle of the offense, in the middle of the defense. And they take the wide receiver, big wide receiver, big tight end, 
I'm going to take my chances against him with that big guy. It's just law. It's just physics, man. I mean, he's not, he's not tall. That guy's tall. I'm going to throw it up to him. If I ever catch him in man to man. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be a lot like, uh, the, the stretch run was a year ago where every single week you go into the game, understanding that from a talent standpoint, Oklahoma has an opportunity to hit on a bunch of big plays and score a bunch of points, but it's not out of the question that anybody is able to do the same thing against them. And, you know, I think we're going to have a, a bunch of just dog fights once again. Yeah. I mean, my, when will you see Kelly come into the game? When will you see, I mean, they got all these defensive linemen that, that has not panned out. When, where's Jordan Kelly at? Where is, what's the other kid name that came in Juco? Was it Edison? Uh, I believe Winfrey, it was. Uh, yeah. Edison. Winfrey, Edison, where where are those guys at? I mean, where's Grimes? I mean, you're going to need some of these other guys. I mean, the unfortunate part is Hicks is hurt, but where is uh, Corey Robertson? I mean, you, you got to have other defensive linemen that can come in and give you some plays, and those guys need to be performing. And those guys are not in the game right now, and they're not performing right now at all. So we have a disconnect somewhere, and it has yeah. to get better. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a wild ride, man. The Big 12 is uh... – Yep just uh I, I don't know how else to put it the big 12 just looks like a shit show and uh i think every single week is probably going to look a lot like this weekend did where you have upsets and you have wild finishes and you have come from behind wins and uh i think that's just what we're set up to see in 2020 in this league definitely is going to be a roller coaster and i mean hey i'm here for it. i'm here for the insanity i'm here for the people acting the plum fools <laughs> i'm not gonna have a bad weekend only pro- only thing that's making my weekend bad is that uh, they shutting down high school football and our guys can't play. I saw right, that, man. I saw PC. that. What's, yeah, man. What's the plan? I mean, is we, it, did they put a timeline on it, or is it just right un- now? We're out for we we out we out for this week, and right now there's no athletic stuff. I mean, I just think the part about it that that frustrates me. It's not about you know not playing the game. It's about the education-wise that these kids are missing because, I mean, this is some of them. This is the only way they get held accountable. Coaches sit them in the office, hey, look, sit in here. You're going to do your work. And for you to get back on the field and practice, we have to get these things completed. Yeah. And they're they're not – I mean, they're not getting those things completed. And so, like, you're sitting there like, holy crap. Well, we this week we was going to have – I mean, you talk about kids that – which I don't think they thought through is, you know – Kids go home um, when you have a seat. When you have a regular school season, school year, kids have an athletic period. So that's an hour in a coach's office where a coach can sit you down and say, "Hey, look, these are the work. This is when talk to your teachers. We need to get this, 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 and this done." Now you don't have that. Those kids are at home. They, I mean, nobody's telling these kids to get stuff done, and everybody's like, "Well, that's the parents' responsibility." I understand that, but. It's not the situation that we have in a lot of people's homes. Yeah, it's not reality that that's just automatically going to happen in every situation. Right. Everybody's not – everybody's – you know what I'm saying? It doesn't – and people make that – say those things, and it, it's kind of like you're out of touch of reality. I mean, you can – and it's crazy. And so that's the unfortunate part. I think kids are going to fail in a lot of areas and education-wise, I mean, you're talking about half of last year and right now almost half of this year, so a full year behind educational-wise. And then you got kids that are not having the interaction that, that they need and the people that in their corner helping them to get past certain parts of life, they've taken all of that away. There's no support system for these kids. 
and now they just eliminated it. And I don't, I don't, and one thing is, if you're going to stop and say, hey, you can't play for a week, don't close down the facility where these kids go to, where yeah. they work out at, where you can get things done in six form. And that's, that's, I think, more than the game. I can't believe they took that part away from them where they don't have a place to go to get the help that they need. Some of these kids talk, say they have, well, they send an email and it takes two days for them to get a, an answer. Or it takes a day for them to get an answer for help on work. And, and for teachers, it's hard on them as well because you're having to explain stuff through email, explain stuff through Zoom messaging and all that stuff. Well, what if you have two or three brothers at home and you have those kids at home that you have to watch? How do you think you'll get a Zoom done when your brother or somebody's in the room, you know, jumping around, doing all this and that stuff? People are not able to get rooms where they have it all to themselves and I feel so bad I think we're doing our kids a disservice by the way the, the way things are happening and the way things are being handled um, for these kids yeah it's man it's such a tough thing because I don't feel like anybody knows the best way to do any of this and and certainly I think we've seen in in all aspects uh, there are parts of the country that that just dismiss it completely. There are parts of the country that um, you know don't want to open up at all. And you know, we'll like like with most things, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. And I think we all just kind of have to, or at least in my mind, we all have to just find a way where we can we can try to do what we normally do while managing it the best way you can. And if that means you have to put certain protocols in. Uh, from a safety standpoint, to continue to allow facilities to be open or whatever, I, you know, I, I, to me, it would make sense that that's the route you would go rather than just saying, "All right, close the doors." Right, and that, I'm I'm with you on that one. So hopefully something changed this week, and we're able to get back to it next week. Um, but man, for the most part, I mean, I feel so bad for kids, and uh, I see it firsthand. And some a lot of kids don't have what most people have and most people think that everybody has and it's not that way we take cell phones for granted and i have kids that don't have them yeah yeah no doubt well man we'll uh i'll be i'll be paying attention hopefully you guys are are up and running soon i know you uh i know the last time we talked you were really excited about your defense and just having the opportunity to work with those kids well i got more de- i got more turnovers than OU has you know i got five <laughs> in one game there you go. <laughs> we got five in one game. There, are, hey, are we, are we starting the campaign right now? Are we starting the Rufus DC campaign? No, sir. No, I want no parts of this OU debacle. None of that. I want no parts of that. That's funny. I like high school. There you go. There you go. All right, my friend. Always good to catch up with you, and we'll talk soon. All right. Bye. That is Rufus Alexander joining me on the Colby Daniels podcast. Always appreciate Rufus. Appreciate the insight. And uh, again, like I said, I think it's going to be a wild Big 12 ride. Everything we just talked about with the OU offense and defense. uh, I'm really curious to see how much of that looks the same against Iowa State, how much they're able to tweak and change for the Iowa State matchup. But my anticipation is Iowa State's going to try and duplicate a lot of the things that we saw Kansas State do in the second half against the Sooners. Once again, you can contact me via Twitter at Colby underscore Daniels. You can contact me via Instagram, Colby.Daniels. Appreciate everybody uh, checking out the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast, rate the podcast, review the podcast, share the podcast, and all of that good stuff. Everybody have a great week. Stay safe, and I will talk to you next time.
The podcast is over.